Why haven't you seen the gold Why haven't you seen any Mouth of Madness? Hello and welcome to another episode of FilmWise, also known as the Why Haven't You Seen This Film podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bubba Wheat, from FlightsTidesAndMovieNights.com, and on each episode of FilmWise, I have a guest on who introduces me to a film that I've never seen before, and in return, I introduce them to a superhero comic book film that they've never seen before. And today, my guest is Rilla. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, for those who haven't, um, who aren't familiar with you, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself and uh, where they can find you online? You can find me on Twitter at <laughs> underscore Congorilla underscore. It's a random old Marvel character. Or is it DC? I don't know. He's a giant golden gorilla superhero type. So that's what I chose as my Twitter handle because I figured no one else would have that. But nope, someone already did. So I had the <laughs> underscores. And I used to be on uh, a podcast called Soiled Restroom Cinema, which is still doing episodes just without me. But I was uh, doing them from, for almost three years, I want to say, from 2013 to 2015. Yeah, and uh, Honor Knight has been a, a guest on this show. Oh, he has? Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a good guy. Which uh, do you remember which movies you did with him? Um, it was recent, but I I always get them. Oh, I can't think of which ones we did. Bounty Killer and Face Off. Ah, oh. has he asked you to be on uh, their show yet? Um, he mentioned it, but uh, I haven't uh, been able to get on there just yet. I haven't received an, any official invite, but uh, I, I think it would be fun. I, I, yeah, you just got to be careful because uh, we watched some doozies on that one. Yeah, well, I I watch a lot of bad ones too. I mean, uh, I think the the comic book film that we're we're talking about today, that Dracula one, is perfect well, uh, soiled restroom cinema fodder. It is full of some good quotes. Yeah, um, but as always, uh, before we get to those films, uh, I have a few questions to get to know your movie taste a little bit better. So, what are three films that you've seen the most often and haven't gotten tired of yet? Oh, there's so many. It was really hard for me to just pick three, but I'm going to go with Akira, Aladdin, and Working Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Those are, are some interesting choices. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Akira. Akira and, is amazing. Yeah. Do, do you have an opinion? Uh, it's on the uh, the upcoming Ghost in the Shell movie. That they just posted a trailer for. Yeah, I watched it on mute because I didn't want to get uh, too much spoiler info from it. But it looks pretty good. You know, I'm I'm kind of mixed up about her being played by Scarlett Johansson because people call it whitewashing. But then the character mm. does have a Japanese name. So, but then she's a robot. So I don't know. It's kind of whatever. But it's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same lines. I I wish they would have had an Asian actress to to play the main character, but I had, that said, it it does look pretty stunning, and and I I am curious to to see if they at least do something good about it. But hopefully, at least maybe the the conversation keeps keeps going about about getting more Asian actors. Instead of just going going with the same white actors all the time, especially yeah. whenever you're dealing with like an Asian story and and especially like an Asian centric story, 
Or something that has such a huge nerd fan base, and then you're going to put a run-of-the-mill, who's hot right now kind of movie star in it. Like, you know, then all everybody will want to come see it. And it's like, maybe you pick the best person for the job. or who, You know, I don't know. Because yeah. I'm not a big fan of ScarJo either, but she's not horrible. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I kind of take her and leave her. Like, I, I think she's fine as, as Black Widow, but I haven't really seen too much else with her. Yeah, me neither. I'm more worried about the live-action uh, Akira movie they want to make. Yeah, I, I think um, I get the feeling I saw somebody else posted this on Twitter, and I completely agree with them. I think it will highly depend on how successful Ghost in the Shell is. I think if Ghost in the Shell is successful, then Akira is going to be the next one. Like that's that's been in development hell for years. And thank God. I, yeah, and but if if this goes if this is successful, I I see Akira be, getting fast tracked. Damn it! So it looks like it's going to be pretty good. Yeah, could be. Um, but uh, getting back on track, uh, what would you say is your favorite film that you've only seen once? Oh, this was hard, too, to think of a movie I've only seen once. But I think um, it's a movie called House, and it's uh, the Japanese one from mm. the 1970s, I believe. Yeah, it's also called Haosu, is yeah. like the, the Japanese name. Yeah, uh, it's full of uh, every type of special effects available at the time or in that movie. And it's amazing. You have animation. Yeah, I've, I've, and... heard, I've heard a lot of stuff about it. It's just one of those just completely bizarre Asian horror movies that just throws everything at the wall and sees what sticks. And it is, it, it is beautiful in a way. There's a lot of like painted backdrops, which I'm a big fan of. Just uh, And the color schemes. It's pretty great. Yeah, it's, I've, you know, I, I haven't yet, but I'm going to try and remember to, I think, add that to my watch list if it's not on there. You got it. As uh, something that's, that I might cover on this podcast at a future date, because I have heard a lot of good things about it, and I, I definitely want to see it at some point. Even the bad things add to the charm. Yeah. Um, and then what would you say is your favorite superhero movie? Batman Returns All the Way. <laughs> Because I was a little kid when that came out, and when I saw Catwoman, like Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman, she was probably my first feminist icon. I was like, don't get no better than this. Yeah, I I think that's my favorite film from that era is is Returns, just because I I love what Bur- uh, Tim Burton did with all the villains, and you know Batman does feel like kind of a side character in that movie, but it's okay because Batman's villains are always. More interesting than Batman himself. True. And it's also my favorite Christmas movie. Yeah. It begins and uh, and ends in Christmas, and that's all you need. Yeah, and uh, I think the poll should still be up by the time this episode is released, but over at the LAM, the largeassmovieblogs.com, they're having a poll for the uh, December movie of the month, and it is Christmas-themed, and I did put up Batman Returns as Ah. my choice, so... Uh, if you're listening to this and you want to hear me talk about Batman Returns for the Lambcast, go ahead and go to largeassmovieblogs.com and uh, vote in the sidebar for Batman Returns. I, I'm definitely going to go vote because it's time that uh, Die Hard got taken down a peg. <laughs> yeah, I think that one's not on the list just because what? that, that uh, I believe it, it's, it won in earlier, uh, in earlier years. So Gremlins then. Let's take Gremlins down a peg. <laughs> 
Yeah, I I don't even remember I don't even remember <laughs> what other films are I'm up against, but uh I know I think Christmas story is gonna be the, the one to beat. I, oh, I know that one's on that is a good someone one. else put that one forward. Um but uh, since I do a uh, blog on a narrow niche of movies, uh, superhero movies specifically, if you were to do a, a podcast or, or a blog or just to name a narrow niche of movies as your favorite, something like superhero movies or like Lovecraftian horror movies, what would that be? Probably late 80s, early 90s uh, horror and sci-fi anime movies. Oh, nice. That's real like, specific. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is pretty specific. Uh, I know one that I'm familiar with. I, I think it falls in, into that range. Um, are, are you familiar with, uh, I think it's called Lily Cat? I do. I love that one. Yeah, I, I rewatched that one, I think, maybe a year or so ago. And it's really bizarre, but I, I really enjoyed it. It's like a, a mix of The Thing and Aliens. Oh, yeah. And um, also Space Odyssey a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I love all how it rips off all those movies and kind of makes their own crazy thing out of it. Yeah, that it's it's a trippy little movie. And and it's one of those that it's it's like very like not a lot of people have heard about it. See, that's uh when I was little the sci fi channel used to do a thing called Saturday morning anime and at yeah, six that, o'clock. That's where I saw it. Oh shoot, I should have thought of Project Echo is one of my favorite movies too. Shit. Shoot. <laughs> but that's how I seen um Akira and Lily Cat. It was on mm-hmm. like six o'clock in the morning on Saturdays and I'd wake up early and record them. Yeah, I I think I did that too. Like I would record because I would not like I was like a, a young teenager around that time and I would not get up early enough to watch it. But I would set the VCR and record it and then I would get up at like Eleven o'clock in in the morning, and then watch it then. See, little kids today—they don't have no idea <laughs> the troubles you went through. Yeah. Um. And then finally, what would you say is your biggest film-wise, a film that you haven't seen yet that you feel like you probably should have gotten around to by now? Batman versus Superman. <laughs> really? That's that's awfully recent. It is, but I still feel awfully bad that I haven't seen it. I also have uh, Casablanca and Citizen Kane. Those are better. Yeah, th- those are the big ones. But I don't know. I I kind of feel like the the personal ones are almost more important in terms of that question because like I know I had only just recently watched um, Star Wars: The Force Awakens like last month. And and I definitely felt like, why haven't I seen this movie yet? It's been like <laughs> six months already. So I, I get what you're, where you're coming from on that, too. <laughs> yeah. And, and I've heard that uh, – I haven't watched the, the Ultimate Edition yet. I, I do want to check that one out, but I liked it more than most. Oh, the Batman versus Superman? Yeah, Batman versus Superman, but uh, it, it could always go either way. It's just Batman was a big part of my life growing up, I guess, with like the Tim Burton movies and the animated series, being obsessed with that. So I'm very particular about my Batman. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know why I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's. I I feel like I almost feel like that might actually make it worse for you, like because this is definitely not that kind of Batman. Hmm. So I I feel like you might. 
you might kind of rail against it just because it, it's so different from that style of Batman. Cause I, I probably I, will. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. It's worth checking out at least. Um, and if you, if you can stand a three hour movie, I mean, uh, the, the theatrical cut isn't that much better at like two and a half hours, but at least it shaves a half an hour off. I'll probably watch the director's cut and, I'd be really tired of it towards the end and be like, come on, wrap this up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was uh, great to, to get to know your taste in movies a little bit better. Um, but now let's go ahead and talk about the film that you had me watch for the first time, In the Mouth of Madness. I need to know if he's alive or dead, and I need that book. So you think my name is Dracula, huh? I know this book will drive people crazy. Well, I just hope so. The movie comes out next month. You're lucky I didn't kick your skull in, you old fool. You've got some explaining to do. This is not reality. Your ancestor was Dracula's first son, born before the Count became a vampire, so you were spared that evil curse. The riots began because the stores could not meet the demands of Sutter Kane's novel. Huh? Hmm. You must be joking. Yep, it's um, John Carpenter. Uh, blah, I can't talk. It's John Carpenter, and it's the last of his apocalypse series oh or was it yeah it was the last because the first one was the thing second one was prince of darkness and then in the mouth of madness with sam neill who we all love from jurassic park and it's hard not to love him and it's he's i believe an insurance investigator and he gets sent off trying to find this uh uh hermited uh, horror author who's gone into hiding, uh, whose books are slowly starting to make people go crazy. And he has a new book coming out, so everybody's <clears throat> really excited. So they got to find him fast. Yeah, and you know it, it's funny because going into this movie, I I didn't really know anything about it, although afterwards I I realized that I had listened to a podcast that uh, that talked about it, an episode of Alka Hollywood hmm. that I listened to. So even though I listened to them spend an hour talking about it, I pretty much didn't remember almost anything of what they talked about except for the fact that I knew it was kind of a Lovecraftian horror. Yeah. And they use a lot of passages from his books in really good parts of the movie. Mm -hmm. There's some Cthulhu monsters. Yeah, a lot of those like tentacle monsters and just just the all around like the the horror of madness and and the madness of horror kind of things. Yeah, and what's reality kind of a thing. Yeah, and and I did like how it it has this this meta element to it where obviously like Sutter Kane is very much a basically a cross between HP Lovecraft and Stephen King because the the writings are of his stories are very much inspired by Lovecraft but i think him as an author is very much inspired by Stephen King himself. Like yeah. And how he has this, like, fictional town. That's that he, in, yeah, his books always in, take place in. Right. Like, for um, Stephen King, it's, like, Castle Rock, and here it's Hobbs End in New Hampshire. But, I yeah, do... I, I like how they call... Uh, kind of take a jab at Stephen King, too. In the movie, a couple times she says, mm-hmm. you know, he's bigger than Stephen King. Yeah. Uh, so I, King I guess that would make small. him... Yeah, I guess that would make him R.L. Stein then. Oh. Uh, 
Iron yeah, Sign was pretty good with the Fear Streets. <laughs> yeah, I know they they made that um, they made that comment in his Goosebumps movie, and and it actually is true that R.L. Stein does has outsold Stephen King. <gasps> Gasps. <laughs> wow, yeah, it's still my fave. <laughs> yeah, I I honestly haven't really read any of his books because I'm I'm not a big like horror book fan, but I've I've seen a handful of his his movies. The Shining is actually a really good book. Yeah, and I've heard that it's very different from the movie. It's t- yeah, it's totally different from the movie. You can see why Stephen King got pissed off at Stanley Kubrick about it. But mm. it's like, come on, it's Stanley Kubrick. Give me, <laughs> give you an amazing movie anyway. Yeah, but as as for this movie, I like I said, I, I wasn't entirely sure what to expect, and I will say that I I didn't really fall in love with this movie. It's it has a lot of great elements, but at the same time, it's it is a little bit hard to follow on the first watch because it, it is very much like a mind trip where you don't really know exactly what's going on, and that's yeah. kind of the point of it. It is. I think it, it, you do gain a lot more with the second viewing, mm-hmm. where you can kind of see how how things are getting set up. Yeah, but the it it raises a lot of questions that uh, I think especially once things really start going sideways, and and I also think that it does do a good job of just setting things up and having them escalate little by little, and then it, it's like an exponential escalation where you just initially just start to see little weird things. Like with the painting. Yeah. And, and the weird thing in the the gardening area, like you don't get a really good look at. Mm-hmm. And just how, and, and even just like the kind of crazed maniac with the axe who ends up being the the um, agent, uh, Sutter Kane's agent. Yeah. It's just... <clears throat> it's, it's just that part... Sorry, I just got to say, that part was my favorite, I, don't, I think, out of the whole movie, when he busts in the window, and he says that line to Reed Setter Kane. It's so perfect <laughs> to me. And then he has a double iris context that look really good. Yeah, I, I definitely noticed that. I, although, I, I almost wish that that would have been more of an element throughout the movie, because I noticed it there, and I think I only noticed it, like, one other time, where they really focused in on it. Isn't there one at the end? Yeah, I think there's one towards the end, like okay, coming um, out of the bookstore with the new book. Right. Yeah, the the one that um that oh, I forget his name. The, Sam Neil. Sam Neil, the one that he kills with the axe. Yeah. So that like brings it around full circle. Full circle. Although I do wish that it, it would have like we would have seen a bit more of that in other places because that is such a unique and, and interesting visual element. I agree. And uh, I guess Greg Nicotero from The Walking Dead did some of the creature stuff in, in this movie. Yeah, I, so I saw I, his name pop up in, in the uh, the trivia. I looked through the trivia, and, uh, but it's funny, like, his name pops up because, uh, like, towards the end where there's that giant wall of Cthulhu monsters. creatures, uh, I guess that, that whole system ran over his foot. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I wish we had gotten better looks at the, all those monsters. 
Yeah, I I don't know. I I kind of go back and forth because I I think it almost works better, especially within the realm of the Lovecraftian horror, where it's like just a glimpse is enough to to uh, pull you into madness. That ha- that less is more, and just seeing kind of a, a glimpse of all these creatures kind of makes yeah, them more right. mysterious and frightening than if you would have gotten a good close up look at them. Because I, I think in another like, uh, and there there is like these elements of like the thing mixed in, although not quite as good in a lot of places I think. Um, but just these little weird that, that just make you kind of on edge. Just like I think I think especially whenever like um, the girl and, and I forget her name again too the actress or the the character's name was her character's name laura who goes with them uh no it wasn't laura um but she's like poking her head uh out of the car door but she's like poking it through the side like and then she comes out and it's the contortionist yeah her head's on backwards yeah that looks really good that was that was really effective i thought even though you can kind of see how they would have done it Mm -hmm. and i i like i think the setup but I, I think the more that I got to see it, I, I think they almost showed it a little bit too much because, like you said, you, you can pretty much tell exactly how they did it. And I think whenever you see the, the contortionist with basically the backwards mask, the head looks incredibly fake. Like It does yeah. look just like this were masked. So I almost wish would get a, a few more cuts to where you get a close-up and you see her actual head move. Oh, uh, like, I get what you're saying. Yeah, just so to to give it a bit more life, because the, I think they do that at the beginning, um, like at the very beginning, whenever she first pops out of the car. But then the rest of the time, it's all kind of shot from far away, where it's just the contortionist with the mask. Uh, and her name is Styles. Styles. Got it. You're yeah. right. Oh, Julie. I just wrote, I just noticed my notes. Julie Styles, I guess. Because one of the uh, things that I, huh? It's Linda Styles, and the actress is Julie Carmen. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just learned this fact about, like, when she swallows the keys, the keys are made out of pasta, <laughs> but they just really show her kind of put them in her mouth a little bit. And yeah. So I was like, why not just use real keys? She's not going to she's not gonna put them all in her mouth. She'll be fine. Why <laughs> even go bothered making pasta keys? Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I I thought about that too. It's like they just show her put in, put the keys in her mouth and then it cuts away. It cuts back to her and then we get a little uh you know female uh, a little misogynistic violence. He punches women a lot in this movie <laughs> and it made me laugh every time. Yeah, so I'm a horrible person, I guess. <clears throat> yeah, it, it's it's just so out of left field and just the fact that of how. I do think that he is an interesting character to choose, how he's this, like, insurance fraud investigator. And it feels, in a way, it feels a little weird that they chose him, because I I guess the setup is that he is, because Cedric Kane has disappeared, and because he is this this, um, best-selling author... I imagine that the book publishing company has insurance on his latest book because they've put so much into it. Yeah. So I think that they 
so they bring this uh, this insurance claim investigator to either find out if he is alive and is just like skipping out on them for whatever reason, or if he's dead, then they can claim the insurance against his uncompleted book, I guess. Yeah. But uh, I I do think that it's it's great for him like as a character because he is this like skeptic and he's never read any of the Sutter Kane and just and you get to see his progression as he like starts reading the novels and really starts, getting into them right and and the more he gets into this world and then it turns into almost like um almost like a stranger than fiction to where he is has become part of. Like, he has basically become the protagonist in the next book. He keeps peeling away at the posters in the alleyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I do love just how they keep coming back to that and how, like, that they set that up where initially you're not sure if it's really happening or if it's a dream, and then, like, it keeps getting more bizarre where the the people in the alley, the, their faces are all messed up. And then whenever it gets to the end and he finally does, like, rip it away, that's whenever he sees the artist rendition of his own face underneath the poster. And two plus how they said it at the beginning with him in the asylum. Mm-hmm. Is it is this guy really going crazy or is this some kind of supernatural spooky stuff going on? Right. I think the fa- my favorite thing about his character is, one, he's constantly smoking – and you don't get there. Everybody's really smoking in this movie the whole time, which they don't do anymore for some reason. Mm, for little yeah. kids, I guess. <laughs> and and that he never sleeps with the Styles character because it seems like that's how it was being set up. Like she was there to seduce him and mm. be a foil, and he didn't go for it. So I was like, ah, that's we didn't do the typical sex scene between these two characters, even though we know she's going to betray him sooner than later. Yeah, and and it's it is interesting too that she does like twice during the movie she starts making a move on him, like uh, I think the first time it feels like it kind of comes out of nowhere, and then the second time it also in a way it also comes out of nowhere, but they also specifically mention that it's because Sutter Kane wrote that she's supposed to kiss him there. Yeah. So you get this this extra element where Sutter Kane is controlling the events that are happening to him at the moment. Did he ever tell you his favorite color is blue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's that's such a great little moment. Just how everything ends up being tinted blue, and then and again, it's it's like the dream within a dream within a dream, where he just keeps waking up and he's in a different nightmare. I, and, and I genuinely feel bad for his character in this movie for, for that, because sometimes in movies that's annoying, but in this one it's like, oh God, poor Sam Neill. When's he going to wake up? Yeah, and and then at, at the very end it, it does feel like this is something that really did happen, and the book did come out. And, you know, I also liked how, you know, after he does finally escape from this like magical black hole in Hobbs End that he has like the manuscript and then he keeps trying to get rid of the manuscript but it keeps coming back to him and then whenever he like goes back to the publisher like the publisher who is Charlton Heston yeah who forgot to mention 
Yeah, and, and kind, kind of, of crazy. A think, yeah, Sorry, it's, what? It's crazy, but it, it's kind of a thankless role. Like, it's such a small role for that character to have it be Charlton Heston. And to be in a John Carpenter movie around that time. Mm-hmm. I just think it's surprising. I'm like, oh, you, Charlton Heston, making some good decisions, I think. Yeah, but it, it's like he gets back there and... He doesn't, the publisher doesn't even know who Styles was. It's like he's, he's never heard of Styles. And he's like, that's because she was written out of the book. <laughs> and, and the, I think that's, that's also like kind of a, a fun little extra kind of meta joke because of the fact that she is the editor. So she would be the one that edits the book. So in a way, <laughs> it's like she took herself out of the book. <laughs> nice. I didn't even think about that. But uh, he also mentions that he already had the book for months, and the book has been out for, like, weeks. And there's a movie coming out. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. It's it's all very interesting, just how it all ties together. But at the same time, it is it is a little difficult to, to kind of parse out as you're watching, just because it you get – it's a lot of just bizarre imagery – like uh, like whenever they're going to Hobbs End and uh, like they pass the the kid on the bicycle and then they pass uh. him again except he's an old man and then they start to pass him again except she runs into him. What I like is when they keep seeing the kids chasing the dog and then finally you see the dog only has one leg. Or it's missing ki- one leg. Yeah. Yeah, and all the kids are all demonic now. Mm-hmm. Poor it's just like, yeah, it's just a lot of. <laughs> What you think would be normal things, except they're all twisted. Oh, too, I forgot to mention uh, the guy from Ghostbusters is in this movie. What's his name? Vigo? Oh, yeah. Vigo! <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, the, the guy that plays the, the Vigo in the painting, he just has this, like, random small role in this where he's, like, the leader of the mob of townspeople. Yeah, he's a Hobbs and local. It's like, he starts telling it started with the kids and then the kids started killing the parents yeah and then he's like he, he almost becomes like this sympathetic character but then he um he mentions like how he has to kill himself because that's how it's written yeah and then, and then he like shoots himself in the head with a shotgun yeah i think this movie because it's one of those movies where people either love it or they hate it and i think it's really clever i like i like how you're kind of put in a state where you really don't know what's going on and the timelines are kind of wonky coming at you different time. I don't know. I can't even express it into words. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like this, it's like he's trapped in this loop that he can't get out of where the things just keep, it's like moments of time keep replaying themselves over and over but each time they replay they get more and more horrific yeah so it, it's like he's he's on a he's on this like downward spiral into madness which is almost it feels like very appropriate from from what i know of like lovecraftian horror which it, it is just like this downward spiral descent into madness and I like it in the movie, they kind of show it at first with people just kind of look like regular people. And then, you know, as it progresses a little, they start to get like red under their eyes or dark circles under their eyes. Yeah, it's like they, yeah, I, I do love that too. They like, um, it's like they're, they're crying blood. 
is how it's yeah. set, supposed to look. It it doesn't, unfortunately, it doesn't always come off exactly that way. Like especially that that kid that walks out of the bookstore. It's it just looks like he uh, kind of smeared blood and under his face. eye. But I think I it worked thinking. better. I, I think it works the best because uh, I think Styles has it at one point. Oh well, I I I meant more at um, where the ghosts stay and the, it's the old woman. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, the first time she just seems like a regular nice old lady, and the next time uh, Sam Neil has to go talk to her, it's like her eyes are very red rim shot, mm-hmm. like yeah, she's been she awake for days, and right. it makes her look so scary. Yeah, and, and then, then the next time you see her, <laughs> well, and, and that's like that second time, it's like you hear a noise under the desk, and then it's after Sam Neil leaves, they uh, pull on, they show what's under the desk, and it's like her old elderly husband who's like naked and, and handcuffed to her leg. Yeah, <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's crazy. Just such a bizarre scene, and and then like in the third one, it's like that only there's this oh. weird demonic bent to it. Yeah, she has like a snake kind of body going mm-hmm. on. She turned into one of the old ones. Right. And and it is interesting how you mentioned like the dark circles under the eyes because like early on in the movie, like after Sam Neill's starting to read Sutter Kane, it's like he has I forget ink or something on his on his hands. From the book. And he, yeah, and or I think from his pen or something, and he like rubs his eyes, and then he has the dark circles under his eyes from the ink, and that's whenever he makes the realization where he like cuts the or tears up the book covers in order to make the the map of New Hampshire. That's the most confusing thing in this movie to me. How mm. he looked at the book covers and figured out a map of some kind. Because when he puts it together, I'm like, I don't know how you did, what, how, how any of this made sense to well, you. I, I think that's the point too, <laughs> because that's that's like just the hint of of the madness that is creeping into him from the books. It would have to be. See, this yeah. movie's too smart for me. <laughs> I love those yeah. book covers too, by the way, just aesthetically. Yeah, they they are like very. Um, the artwork on them is all very interesting. It, it it feels very much like a pulp horror uh, novel cover. And they were very indicative of that time, you know, in horror literature. Like if I had seen those books, I'd be I'd buy them all. I'd be like, hell yes, what's <laughs> this? This looks amazing. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta judge books by their covers because you know that's your first impression. Right. <laughs> But yeah, I I did have some fun with this. I it did like I I won't say that I loved it. Uh it did kind of like I I did spend a bit of time like looking at my phone kind of <gasps> waiting for some of the good stuff to happen, but the I I did think that the creature effects were were really impressive and and I did just enjoy how like enjoy seeing his kind of descent into madness and just how things just ultimately unfurl in this complete mind trip of a movie. Yeah, I love it. I love all the practical uh, creature effects in it. Mm-hmm. Those just, you know, really speak to me when I see those in movies. Yeah, but uh, I, I'm I'm definitely glad that I did watch it. Uh, it, it was it was fun, and it uh, it surprised me a little bit that it it won the poll because I, I did put this up as a as a Twitter poll as as I do every once in a while. Um, I forget which other ones that I had as the the other options. I know the Black Cauldron was one. 
Oh, it's yeah. Space Jam. Yeah, Space Jam <laughs> and then uh, Paprika, I think. And uh, <laughs> like Paprika almost came out, came back at the end. Like uh, I think it, it ended up getting second place, but uh, this one eventually won out and and became the movie that I watched. And uh, and I can see why why people do enjoy it, uh, even though it didn't completely hit the mark for me but uh, I, I didn't think it was a bad movie on any level uh, but we are going to take a quick break and then whenever we come back we're going to talk about the film that I had you watch for the first time Dracula Sovereign of the Damned and I'm so mad at you about that <laughs> this podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com welcome to the really awful movies podcast a celebration of low budget cinema Hi, I'm Chris, and along with Jeff, we're bringing you the very best and worst of horror, sci-fi, action, exploitation, kung fu, and women in prison movies from the 1970s to today. Be sure and check out reallyawfulmovies.com for reviews, interviews, lists, and terrific movie giveaways. Hi, everyone. This is Tim Costa. I'm Hermano De Silva. And this is Walter Vinci. And together, we are the First Time Watchers Podcast. Each week, we choose a movie to review that none of us has seen. Watch it together. And then discuss. These movies could be new. Or old. Or on our list of shame. You can find us on iTunes by searching for the First Time Watchers podcast. As well as on Stitcher. We'd love to hear from you. That's right. I mean, it's all about interaction. And talking about what we love. Movies. And you don't have to worry about us going on and on about this and that and the other. And oh, no, no, look, no, no, let's no. talk stop, about stop, this stop, minute. Shut, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. I wonder who the cat that can God damn it, shut up. So, in 1980, Marvel licensed two of its horror comics, The Tomb of Dracula and their Frankenstein comic, to uh, Toei Studios, which is the studio behind Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball and many other anime uh, around that time. And they made the comics into two separate made-for-TV movies in Japan, and then a few years later they were dubbed into English and released in the U.S., as uh, the Tomb of Dracula and uh, I believe the Monster of Frankenstein, um, as was the case of uh, much of the anime from this time period, the animation itself and the English dub were pretty low quality, and it also, especially in this one, it seemed like they crammed five or six story arcs, story arcs from the comics into this movie, which uh, ended up being... A, basically a hilariously bad movie that that makes very little sense in places has a lot of exposition dumps and yes. even has a scene where dracula is eating a cheeseburger so that when that happened i my heart grew five sizes i think <laughs> so whenever you pick this as one of the choices i take it you didn't realize that it was a bad movie i i no i figured it would it just it was it was 90 minutes long <laughs> and so boring at times <laughs> i was like hey when is this gonna be over who are why are all new people keep popping up that he has to fight now because towards the end dracula has to go find two of his ex-girlfriends who are also vampires <laughs> they both shut him down and i'm like what is what can we get on with this please yeah it's this movie just goes so all over the place. I mean, it's it's so difficult to even just start describing what happens in this movie. It's like it starts off where there's this satanic cult and they're holding a ritual to uh, sacrifice a bride for Satan. 
and then Dracula comes in and pretends to be Satan and takes the bride, but ends up falling in love with her <laughs> and doesn't turn her into a vampire. But at the same time, there's this group of vampire hunters who are all descendants of, like, uh, Jonathan Harker. Let's see, it's, we have the descendant of Jonathan Harker, the descendant of Van Helsing, and the descendant of Dracula himself from before he became a vampire. Nice. And Yeah, and they have Oof. this this amazing wheelchair fight. Why does it feel like there's always a man in a wheelchair in movies like this? Yeah, I, I don't know, but it, it's so ridiculous. It's like this, this old guy in a wheelchair being pushed around by this young woman, and they they recruit this guy whose name is, like his last name is Drake. Frank and, Drake. Yeah, Frank Drake, and they're, they're like, uh, isn't that short for Dracula? <laughs> And then he just like pulls. His, he's in a wheelchair, but he has a cane, <laughs> and the cane has is a hidden sword. And so he, like he goes do. after. Yeah, and so he goes after Drake, and and is being pushed by <laughs> by the woman. And it's just such such a bizarre scene, and like everybody's wearing seventies fashions because well, too, and then sometimes like. Uh, Dracula and his bride are wearing very Victorian kind of outfits. Mm-hmm. It's I, I, for a couple times I was like, "What time period is this? Yeah, Why are you I'm, dressed like that?" And no one's looking at you at the, on the street. Yeah, it, it's so bizarre. It's it's like, and then they, and then at one point Dracula has the his flashback story, and and I could have swore that he he called it Pennsylvania instead of Transylvania. <laughs> But and you and he paints his he basically paints the story of Vlad the Impaler as if Vlad were the sympathetic character. Yeah, it was. They left a lot out. I feel a lot of the actual historical accounts out. It was like I had to do this to scare the the barbarians away. Yeah, it's like I, I had I just had to impale all these people. Wasn't there? Pretty sure he used to drink blood too. He used to drink their blood, didn't he? Or is it? Yeah, I, I believe that. I think that's part of the story as well. Um, and then, like after he died, then Satan basically turns him into a vampire. As I don't even remember. It was like a, revenge or something. But it's this. This film is combined with so many like just these bizarre. Uh, story beats and then like in between the story beats you have these huge exposition dumps where basically one of the characters tells you everything that's to set up the story well it's like who are we supposed to be whose side are we on they make they try to make dracula seem sympathetic after already vilifying him and then we have our main three heroes i guess and none of them are relatable at all. We don't care about them. I like. I gotta say, when the woman first calls the guy Frank Drake, the descendant of uh, the vampire killer, like I wrote it down, he said to her, "Too bad you've got a nice voice, and I'm curious about your looks, but it's just like I've been saying, Frank Drake doesn't do mysteries, Buttercup. <laughs> just so, and the dialogue is so weird. I got. Uh, I want to read a lot of quotes for this one. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it's like whenever they try to recruit him, recruit Frank Drake, he turns him down. But then he's like, well, unless she's part of the deal, can I get her? Oh, yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, right online with being a misogynist. Because, <laughs> too, when they're like, meet us at the flower bed at the park. <laughs> and I was like, at the park? You want to be more specific? Aren't you in Boston? Sure, yeah. there's lots of parks. Yeah, I guess, the, and the movie takes place in, like, modern day at the time, which would have been, like, I guess late 70s, because I guess the movie came out in 1980, but since it's yeah. animation, <laughs> it they would have animated it in, like, 79. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just so bizarre. And then we end up finding out that, like, the Dracula's bride has this connection to, to God, Huh. And son, and son ends up killed by the satanic priest. I want him the satanic Captain Planet. <laughs> he had yeah, the same coloring, can... and I was like, "Why isn't he opening his mouth to talk?" Until finally, it falls off, and I was like, "Oh, it's a mask." Yeah, because that was bugging me for a long time. Yeah, and it's so weird too because he has this mask that looks just like an animated face. Like there's nothing except for the fact that it's blue. It looks just like everyone else's face, <laughs> except it's like the eyes don't. There are no real eyes. Like the eyes are blank, and the mouth never moves. And yet, it still emotes at, in a few places. Like the eyebrows will waggle in, in a couple places. Like it's not completely blank to where it looks like a, a mask. Like you would think it was a mask. Right. So when that happened, I was like, oh, well, that explains everything. Yeah, it's. And then, and then Dracula's baby dies. They and he then sh- he <laughs> shot him with a silver bullet. Mm-hmm. That evil Captain Planet. Yeah, but then the baby is resurrected by God and then is aged into an adult in order to kill Dracula. Kind of dressed like an X-Men a little bit. Yes, he he very much looks like an X-Men. And his name is Janus, too, which sounds like he could be an X-Men. Yes. And what's my favorite is like his mom is like, this is impossible. And he just says, yes, it is, mother. And she's like, oh, well, all right. You are my son. took nothing to convince this lady yeah and, and at one point like uh um satan takes away his vampire powers like right after the the uh vampire hunters finally get to him and it's like the vampire hunters are the worst like i love their explanation for the uh their dog ezekiel who's supposed to sniff out evil and they they have this scene where they're like we've been walking all around town and we haven't found anything and in the like even before that they have a scene where they're walking around town and they have this like very 70s disco style chase music <laughs> but it's just them walking around doing nothing and then um the the van helsing descendants the the one in the wheelchair or i guess he's the harker descendant yeah um he mentions, well, Ezekiel has done his job. He's uh, sniffed out. He's told us everywhere Dracula isn't. So all we have left is where Dracula is. <sighs> and it's like this map and it's shaped like a bat. Oh, I didn't and... notice that. <laughs> and it's like, why didn't oh, you wait, search no. there first? I remember when they draw the thing on the map. I remember now. Yeah, because it looks just like the Batman insignia. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and oh, it's. And then, like, what yeah, about? He ends, go ahead. I was gonna say, what about when uh, the van, uh, Dracula's bride said she had agreed to be the bride of Satan? And that's for a lark. Those are her exact <laughs> yeah, words. She's, she's like, that's I had lark. nothing else to do. Yeah, 
was like, oh, all right, that's a pretty like, important I, decision, I, I, but okay. Yeah, she talks about how she grew up, how her basically she grew up bad <laughs> on the wrong side of town, like was in with <laughs> bikers and stuff and go-go dancers. And she's like, yeah, and then I joined a satanic cult because, hey, why not? And then, too, when they do the date montage of her and Dracula afterwards, and they're, like, eating ice cream and going window shopping, and she's like, you you were the first one who would ever talk to me and not at me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was so funny. Yeah, you fell, so she corny. fell in love with the first person that treated her like a person instead of an object. Oy, this movie... Yeah. So, the dialogue was so crazy sometimes. It's yeah, so funny. I, I, I didn't write any down myself, but yeah, the, I mean, it it is like one of those really bad 80s English dubs of, of Japanese dialogue. Well, too, <laughs> it's like that's why they're so bad is because Japanese voice actors actually put some effort into it. And, you know, Americans, we just can't be bothered, you know, to emote. Yeah. And we also get like a, a few moments, like towards the end, like if you forget, like if you almost forget that this isn't a, an anime for kids, it's an anime for adults. They they have like the the one shower scene just that pops oh, up yeah. out of nowhere, and I you forgot. get some side boob. And then when she comes out, she's like full on Dracula, like <laughs> vampire superhero lady of her own. Yeah, like her outfit is so ridiculous, and and Dracula's outfit himself is, is so ridiculous. He has like the the three pointed, super high collar that's like the Doctor Strange collar, only with an yeah. extra point in the middle that makes his show, head look like a flower. And they show him walking down the street with Dolores <laughs> dressed in a similar type crazy cape, and no one's batting an eye. And this is like '80s Boston. Like I think that shit would stand out. Yeah. I know it was the '80s, but still. Yeah, or I don't know. It feels much more like the '70s, just with all the, because like we get a lot of like leisure suits, and uh, there's definitely a couple afros in there, <laughs> like the white af. Yeah, it's like the best white afros too. Yeah, the little you mean the little kids in the cabin at the end. Yeah, there's that one, and, and also like at crosses. the beginning. <laughs> yeah, they're all wearing just, I mean, literally like six inch crosses on, on their necklaces. Even the dog Jeez. Elijah did too. Yeah. But there was also a guy in where with a big afro at the very beginning whenever we're very whenever we're introduced to Frank Drake at the bar. <laughs> like one of his friends has like the leisure suit and the afro. Oh, one of that guy's quotes was sure was a pretty woman. What kind of loony <laughs> creep would want to kill her? Yeah, they're they're showing the news footage of <laughs> it's like just this shot of a dead woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he was like, I Can't believe they put that on T V. Yeah. Sure was a pretty woman. <laughs> <laughs> And then, yeah, uh, that, that's not weird at all. Well, too, on the news, it has the crazy alcoholic homeless man mm -hmm. giving his statement. And it's like, then it's like, he was sent to a sanatorium. <laughs> Is that where you should send alcoholics? I'm yeah, not so sure. I thought that was great. I, I was almost surprised. Like, I was so expecting them to have the moment uh, where he sees Dracula and then he, like, looks looks at his bottle and then tosses it away. But It looked like he was drinking blood, too. Yeah, but uh, instead we have a ver and instead of him like tossing the the bottle away like no more drinking for me, uh, I guess it, he's so shocked that he drops the bottle and then he looks kind of upset that it's like oh I dropped my I dropped my liquor, <laughs> but yeah that's it's just 
so bizarre and like it jumps around from story beat to story beat too because we get like we have the the whole satanic marriage then it jumps to like dracula and this uh, his bride's love story and then it jumps to like dracula's backstory and then we have the the whole vampire hunters and then it goes to like dracula and his bride having the kid and then they go back to the Satanists, and the Satanists kill the kid, Tough. and then God resurrects the kid into the vampire hunter, and then Dracula ends up getting captured by Satan and goes to hell with his bride. But his I just bride, gotta, oh, I just <laughs> wanted to say that uh, Satan. I don't know if anybody would get this reference, but he looks like the portrait that Twain has hanging up of himself behind his desk in Ugly Americans. <laughs> That's what Satan looks like. No, Just I've... giant red Satan in a little black speedo. <laughs> I don't know. I I thought that he was supposed to be naked, but uh... no, yeah. I I just like to pretend. <laughs> I just like how there's a convenient shadow, so you don't see any dong. Even though I thought this was for adults. Yeah, exactly. A baby got shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, <clears throat> and then Dracula eventually gets built. <laughs> I love the the how dracula ends up getting killed because it's it's like we we follow these vampire hunters throughout this entire movie it's like they're always there just off to the side but they never really (laughs) accomplish anything they don't do much nope they just watch yeah but then finally the dracula like gets back to his castle and they even throw in this like bizarre moment because he still doesn't have his he's still mortal at that point like he he tried to get to his one um one woman vampire that he sired in new york and she's like nah yeah and then he goes back to transylvania and he's like come on you're you're my you're my homies. <laughs> Melissa. What's wrong? <laughs> the second one was yeah, Melissa. Melissa. Another old girlfriend. Like, yeah, and they're like, nope, uh, we got a new boss in town. And, Sir Tomo, I believe it was. Yeah, something like that. And then he does eventually like defeat, and he defeats Tomo because, like, whenever he's inside the the house with the kids and their giant crosses, <laughs> he he grabs one of the crosses to fend Thank off God. the the vampires, and but the cross still burns his hand even though he's mortal, which I that I made that note too. Any, yeah, that didn't make any sense to me. But then, but conveniently, because the cross burned an impression in his hand, that impression was enough to kill Tomo. Yeah, all he had to do was put his hand on Tomo's face. No more Tomo. Yeah, it's like these vampires seem like they're so easy to kill. He should have just been able to make the cross with his fingers, and that would have been enough to yeah. kill him. Uh, but then he goes back into his castle, and I guess the air... He, he, was, he says that the air from the castle must be enough to restore my uh, vampire, vampirism, because he gets his fangs back, so he's a vampire again. But then um, he's fighting... Yeah. Yeah, Harker is there meeting him in the uh, castle, and he stands up. <laughs> it's like, I've just been pretending all along. I didn't really need a, <laughs> to be in I the wheelchair. Miss, shit, I miss when he stood up. Yeah, it's like Dracula comes in, and then uh, Harker stands up and starts that fighting liar. Dracula. And then he gets his butt handed to him, but then he pulls off one of his wheelchair spokes and stabs Dracula in the heart and mentions that his spoke is made out of silver. But just to be on the safe side, I guess he's also loaded up his wheelchair with uh, a, a few pounds of C4. Yeah. 
So I had so to he... rewind it because I was like, wait, what just exploded? <laughs> and then when I saw it was a wheelchair, I was like, what? This movie is out of control crazy. Yeah, it is so bizarre, but I don't know. I I enjoy this one. I mean, it's just so insane. And just every time you think that it can't get any more bizarre, it takes another left turn. There, There's no... It's like you're watching this Dracula movie and there's so much that's wrong with this movie that just doesn't make any sense. And yet it's... I, I find it in so many spots just to be hilarious. Like, there, nothing beats and... and I'm sure I'm going to look up the, the GIF and post it on Twitter at some point, uh, no, but nothing beats, like, Dracula just eating a cheeseburger. That like, was pretty mortal. good. Yeah, he's mortal, and he has to, like, go mug a guy on a street to get some cash to go buy <laughs> a burger. <laughs> just, sitting there. just that shot of him sitting there eating it. Like, <laughs> you think he wouldn't be into that kind of food. you think he'd be disgusted by modern food from what he's used to. Yeah. And I don't know, It's this could have been such an interesting concept, and yet they fail on, on so many different levels. And, you know, I, I almost wish, because, like, one of the few other, like, trivia notes that I know about is that the character Blade was actually introduced oh. in, in the Tomb of Dracula comics. I saw that. But I don't, I'm guessing that he shows up in issues that came out after the the ones that are used for this movie either that or they just decided not to include him i saw that there was a lot of characters that were left out you know just for the sake of time constraints that a lot of stories subplots just like you know left yeah, out but, but it seems like they they crammed as much as they could in here because it's boy howdy yeah it goes all over the place but there was, huh? Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, there was a genuine moment I laughed in the movie when uh, the vampire, I think her name, Leela, she's in New York and she lures a man away and they're like sitting in his car, like snuggling. And she asks him, what's your sign? And he says, caution, man at work. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That is, that is a joke right there. I forgot about that one. <laughs> Although it's, it does, you know, it's actually interesting because since this is like in 1980, but it, it has the, the whole kind of cliche where, or it kind of reverses the cliche. It's something that, that Buffy did really well, like in its first episode where you have this date and the guy's like claiming to be the big vampire killer, but then they turn it on its head and it turns out that the woman is actually the vampire and kills the guy. I saw it coming, though, because I thought that was Dolores. So right. second half of the movie, I was totally confused because I was like, Dolores keeps saying she's immortal, but she's a vampire now, isn't she? Because <laughs> <laughs> they look the same. Yeah, so, all the women look the same. In this, yeah, just slightly cause... different hair colors. So I I was like, oh, when he got to like, I got to go see Leela help me turn back into a vampire. I was like, oh. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was... Uh... Like, I saw it coming a mile away, too, because uh, I figured it was, like, the woman that he bit at the very beginning of the movie. Like, oh. right after he like right after he um, took Dolores, but he didn't bite her, but he was hungry, so he had to go off and <laughs> bite somebody else. I, I thought she looked like that woman. See, we needed to get that lady's name from the get-go. <laughs> when she was dancing in the club, and then they went off driving in the car going, Yeehaw! 
which is something I would like to never hear in anything ever. <laughs> Not yeah. even Westworld. Yeah, but uh you know, I'm I'm glad that you took the time to watch it, uh, even though it sounds like you didn't quite en- enjoy it as much as I did the first time watching it. It's just I I find it as one of those movies that's just hilariously awful. That it was, it was just pretty long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even at an hour and a half. But uh, and and I know like between the two. Because I've I've seen the the uh, the Frankenstein adaptation as well, and I think the Frankenstein one is a slightly better movie. Is it based off the book? Uh, it's based off because uh, at the same time that Marvel was doing the Tomb of Dracula, they, they um. did a, a Frankenstein series. Although I think that one's kind of fallen more into obscurity, and and I think it it followed the actual story of Frankenstein a little bit more closely. Um, but they turned that into an anime as well, and that one takes itself a bit more seriously, and because it's it's more focused on, like, a single story arc, it's less, it doesn't jump around as much, and it doesn't have quite as many of the big exposition dumps. Yeah. And it's, like, a little bit less campy, but it's still not a good movie by any means, but it's... I think it's a better movie than this one by far. I just want to read one more quote from Dracula. Sure. It's when um their baby dead baby son was his grave was ripped open, his lid of the coffin taken off and this little dead baby's body is floating in the air, gets transformed into a grown man mm-hmm. and all of a sudden Satan figures it out. He's like, "Oh shit." I mean, oh, dang it. God <laughs> resurrected my child, and now he's going to ha- try to kill me. i got to go kill my son before he can kill me or something with his magic powers. But Satan says, uh, you must never call me father again, my exalted, heaven-sent, murder-bent mortal enemy. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a lot. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I did notice that line this time. It was the, the whole heaven-sent, murder-bent yeah, that's why I mean by the dialogue in this movie. It's very, very busy. It's a yeah, lot going on when they're talking. Yeah, and, and then just like one last thing that I want to mention about this movie is, is how it ends. Because we, we get the death of Dracula and the death of uh, of the Harker guy in the wheelchair. And, <laughs> and in order to end on like kind of a happy ending, uh, the Dolores, Dracula's bride, we cut back to her. And then Janus as an adult, God turns Janus back into a baby. Yeah. So it ends with Dolores and baby Janus to live happily ever after, I guess. Shiz is pretty crazy. (laughs) It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, But yeah, again, I'd like to to thank you for joining me and uh, talking about these two movies. No, thank you. Sure. And why don't you go ahead and remind everybody where they can find you online? You can find me on Twitter at underscore Congorilla underscore. And if you want, you can go check out Soiled Restroom Cinema at signalsoffury.com. They're still pretty active, and maybe I'll be a guest sometimes on their show coming up. And as always, I am Bubba Wheat, and you can find me on flight on Twitter at Bubba Wheat. 
and on my site at uh, flightsitesandmovienights.com. You can find FilmWise by going to filmwise.com and on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And if you want to know what two films I'll be talking about on the next episode, go ahead and listen through to the end for the mashup trailer. Until next time. Making a girl. Actually making a girl. Are we clear? Crystal. What would you little maniacs like to do first? You can't handle the truth. If you want to be a party animal. Sounds good to me. It's seriously affecting your sex life.